0: In The Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew.
1: Hey, friends. Drew Doherty and John Harris for a little In The Lab. And, man, John, everything we just heard about over the last two hours, and we're taping this, on uh, tuesday morning around 11 30 but over the last two hours boy we've got enough to enough content to give us about a month's <laughs> worth of work and we're going to touch yeah. on you know, just fingernail of what we just heard from the assistant coaches just about all of them spoke offense defense and special teams and heard some nuggets of, of some pretty good stuff it's fun to hear from new, those guys and many of them were new faces some of them are yeah. faces that are familiar but One who is new and one who has a pretty high level of respect, both in the building, outside the building, around the league, is offensive line coach James Canton. On a personal note, before we get into uh, the offensive line chatter that you and I are going to discuss, he is a fun guy to chit-chat with because he's buddies with a lot of wrestlers. Uh, during his time in green bay as a player back in the 90s Mm -hmm. he came across a lot of those guys when they would come through and wrestle and so uh he's got story after story after story about uh about various wrestlers uh, around the wwf it's now the wwe but i grew up with wwf you did too and uh, he even cut a promo and i put it in his you know like 14 things to know about james camp and he cut a promo uh about yokozuna way back in the day but James Camp is a fascinating guy to talk with and it's going to be fascinating to see what he does in reshaping, you know, helping out this offensive line because, you know, it was good enough to help this offense and Deshaun Watson explode in the passing game last year, but it struggled at times early in the run game. And that's been the case really over the last six years. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think what they're going to do up front it's gonna go a long way towards the success of this football team. And I think it's I actually am very optimistic about this offensive line because of some of the parts they brought in and because of this coach in camping. What about you, man? What do you think? I know you're 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 a guy who has a Green Bay, Wisconsin background, which he does as well. Yeah. You know about and value the trenches. What do you think? Well,
0: first That's of a very all, we general
1: question, I know, but
0: yeah. We Mark and I tried to get him. Uh, to give us some Brett Favre stories, and he, he started laughing and stopped and said, "I don't know how many of them I can share." So I thought uh, we we had a chuckle at that. But he after you know, there's been so much talk about about camping, and when you know when the offensive line coaching job was available, and like, okay, this is a massive hire. I mean, I would see people, you know, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I hear it's going to be James Camp, and I'm like, whoa, really? Wow, this is really good. But I, to that point, had not seen him speak or talk or anything of that point. I just had seen the results up in Green Bay in particular, where he had had a lot of success with that offensive lineup there, with a lot of the players up there. So I knew he came highly respected, but getting a chance to sit down with him and interview him one-on-one And you really get a feel for why he had that success. Really, I got done with an interview and I said to Mark, wow, that was really good. And not to compare to other offensive line coaches that have been here, John Benton and, um, you know, Mike Devlin, et cetera. I just really enjoyed talking, not just football, but everything uh, with James Campen. I mean, his answers were thought out, but yet. Um, he gave you something, and it was a really fun conversation. I did not know about the wrestling aspect, and I really wish I had um, because I would have hit him with that. But as a player in Green Bay, as a coach in Green Bay, he had been with the Browns and the Chargers, Mm -hmm. and so he was just as enjoyable as as any coach that we've had an opportunity to catch up with. And it was when we got done, it was as if, okay, I can understand what, what the hype is about, if you wanna if you want to say it that way, just how much he I, I could see why players like playing for him. I could see why his approach is successful for players, in particular players that maybe were not drafted that high. Like David um, Bakhtiari also,
1: like David Bakhtiari, you know mid round yeah, David Bakhtiari,
0: TJ Lang. Left tackle um, he's Poi been an all-pro Linsley, left tackle. Yeah. yeah. I mean he's been phenomenal. He's the have, highest paid he's the highest paid guy in the league for a reason. And a big reason of that was James Campen. And when I asked him about that, you know, he said, he said, look, great players, um, or great coaches are a result of great players. And those I mean, he just did what, what every offensive line coach would do and pawn it off on the players. And yeah. I, I just really enjoyed getting, uh, to talk to him. But the one other thing that stood out to me, and it sounds kind of odd, and I'll try, i make sure that I explain it properly. Cause I think people will hear and go, well, wait a second. Everybody talks about the offensive line being five fingers as a fist and working together and all that. But one of the things that I got out of our conversation was there's an individuality to learning particular positions, techniques, et cetera. And the understanding as an offense line coach, that there are going to be some guys that can do certain techniques. There are going to be some guys that that just aren't. There are going to be some guys that have a have the potential of learning a particular technique, and they can work on it. But there are going to be things in which some guys don't look at it that way. Like it's individualized learning amongst a team or unit setting. And I just thought, man, that's a really interesting approach, because I've been a longtime proponent of that. And th- that that was always my way when I was when I was teaching. Um, sometimes in coaching, I didn't always get that way. It was like, no, we're doing this particular technique. But when I started, when I had done it for a while, and I was more confident in myself, and I could see different things with different people, I thought about that, you know, different techniques that I would Uh, want different players to use because I knew they could. I knew they could learn it. I knew it could help them, but I knew other guys weren't going to be able to. But I always just think about this in teaching and uh, teaching in particular, when you sit down with somebody and you teach them math, you don't know. I, I, I used to say to them, I don't know what your background is. I have no idea what your background is. I'm going to give you what I think is the best way to learn this. But if you don't see it, we're going to try something else. And we're going to get to that best way for you to learn it. And that kept kind of reverberating in my mind. And and I was ruminating on that as I listened to him talk that there is an individualization to a particular player playing in the NFL. Yet that has to all work within The group, and in particular his group, the one that's supposed to be, you know, five fingers as a fist and all that kind of stuff. I was just really impressed with that thought process because there are a lot of coaches, NFL, high school, college. Nope. You do it this way. You do this kind of set. You do this kind of uh, kick step. This is how you do it as opposed to, you know what, let's try this. Does this work? Hey, maybe try this technique against Joey Bosa. Maybe try this technique uh, against some speed guys. It just felt like there was a little bit more in the, um, there was a little bit more there that I think players will be able to get from on the offensive line. And I hope I hope it translates into the offensive line getting better and better and better, Um, and that we're talking about an offensive line that can go take over a game when it needs to, and not just by sheer force, but utilizing technique, um, utilizing uh, the coaching that they've learned, and putting that all to work to come up with a much better run game and good pass protection for whoever the quarterback is going to be. I think those things will happen. And, yes, you've got to have talent, there's no question, but I think there is talent on this offensive line. Now the question to me, Drew, becomes how does that talent fit together? What five guys, where does it fit? Who fits where? And that's where training camp, to me, is going to be unbelievably exciting and fun to watch.
1: I think really the only lock you can say is Laramie Tunsil is your left tackle.
0: I think you're right.
1: I mean, I don't know that – I mean, we've heard from Justin Britt. He's the center. He, he spoke. He's the first offensive lineman that really spoke since OTAs began. I think that's, that can be a somewhat telling sign, but I don't know that he's totally solidified things and that's it. And you carve it in stone right. and bring it down from the mountain that, that he's the center. But, you know, I, I think this is going to be fascinating to watch from, you know, everything to the right of Tunsil. You got four spots that are not wide open, but open. And uh, I'm fascinated to to see how that shakes out when that shakes out and how solidified that becomes. Once we get to week one, do you see shuffling like we did in 2018 or should be 2019 when they wound up winning 10 games or does it remain the same throughout health provided and, and you've got some, some, some stability there?
0: I think once you get to a group you feel good about, and that was the thing in 2019, I remember going out to LA and you and I were standing next to each other. And I remember you saying, Sharping's in, Titus is in. And then I'm like, whoa, okay, well, that's the line we assumed that they would get to at some point. Maybe I I thought Sharping was maybe a, a, a few weeks early, but I was like, okay, this is the line they've wanted to get to. All right, let's let this line grow together. And it ended up playing pretty well together. And it did that for about probably six, seven games. And then Titus got banged up. um, And then he had to step out of the lineup. But they got to that lineup within three weeks, even though they had bounced some guys around. Titus had played week two at guard. Then he ends up moving out to tackle, right tackle. And now you go, okay, we're we're sort of solidified here. I think as much as you can avoid the movement of – tackle the guard guard to tackle within within reason you might have to because you may have a player that just doesn't get it done you might have a player that gets hurt you might have to do some of that and I think that's where the versatility of this group comes in that you have guys that have played different spots but I think once you get solidified with a line and you feel good about it that's that's how they'll go about business uh going forward I have said I like the depth on this line. I think there are a lot of guys with a lot of starts. I think it is going to be coached very well, and I'm excited for that. And I am absolutely 1,000% with you, Drew. I, without question, feel like the only spot totally and completely solidified is Laramie's. Now, if you ask me how many guys do you think – are absolute lock starters on the offensive line. I would say two. I just don't know exactly how they'll go about fitting those four other spots, but I think Laramie and Titus will be starters. I would go to Vegas and put money on that. They would be starters to lock that in. I just don't know if they'll be starters. We know LT will be at LT. We know that LT is LT.
1: Yeah.
0: Other than that, does Titus play guard? Does he play tackle? I know he'd like to play tackle. Um, but you got Marcus Cannon. you just got a lot of things that have got to shake itself out, and I'm really curious to see how that's going to happen.
1: Mark my words, too. There's going to be a what reaction from at least one of these guys who winds up starting. And I'm not saying he's coming out of left field. I'm saying he's coming out of the upper deck, and he's going to surprise a lot of folks when he – I don't know who, but I know – I have my ideas. But there's going to be one unconventional guy that's uh, putting in a lot of time once the games get going. So just keep that under your hat.
0: Well, I mean, Brandon cooks probably can't play guard. He's going to have to play center. So,
1: well, now you're coming from the parking lot with that. I'm saying, yeah.
0: I'm, saying. <laughs> you know I'm saying, I got you. I got you. I'm with diehards. i stuck
1: you. with us, you know, 10, 15 minutes into this podcast. You you've been rewarded with that. So it uh, <laughs> should be fun. Well, listen, John, it's always good talking with you. I'll, yeah, uh, see you very soon. Hopefully you're down in the dungeon. I'm up in the office and, um, it's good to be, we got back in the offices this week kind of yeah, good. as a company, all the business, yep. business ops folks and, uh, all that. So it's been good to see a lot of people I haven't seen since, you know, before the oh. pandemic started. So
0: it's uh, been amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's,
1: it has been fun. So, so long, enjoy your summer for a little bit and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Cool. Sounds good, man. Thank you. All
0: right.